Trigger warning, this audio and video includes discussion of sexual harassment and sexual abuse. Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. On today's show, I play an interview that I did with Brian Kudersky, who is the associate editor at the American Conservative Magazine. I know, kind of surprising. The author of the book, They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the Nationalist Populist Revolution, and a political consultant from New York City. And he talks with me about how he broke the story about the sexual harassment scandal at the Lincoln Project. And my co-host is Jack Allison, co-host of the Struggle Session podcast and host of the Jack AM Twitch show. Please rate and review us on iTunes and please support the show on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper show. And hello, and we are live. And it is time for... That thing that you always find on Sunday nights, which is the Katie Halper Show. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. And we got Mm -hmm. Jack Allison with us because that's what happens on a Sunday night. This is is what Sunday is all about, everybody. This This is is what Sunday is all about. Used to be The Simpsons. Now it's the Katie Halper Show. Yeah. You know, it hasn't been good in years. So you watch this now. For some (laughs) people, it's church. Yeah. But that's the Um, morning, right? I guess, yeah. Mm. I don't know. Do people ever like stay late at church? Do they mingle and like, you know, just keep doing Jewish goodbyes at church? <laughs> Do people stick around all day at church and just like just pal around and stuff, hang out? I don't know. I, mean, I never I, went. I, I'm, it's not been my thing, really. Wait, you've never gone to church? Well, I mean, I, I never went like regularly. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. as yeah. I went to mass, but yeah, no, I didn't. As a family, ever go to? I never went to church as a child ever. One right. time we went to the House of Blues gospel brunch, and that was the closest I ever went to going to church. <laughs> yeah, I liked, I mean, I always liked churches uh, as a non-Christian. I wanted to get, like, in the 80s, I feel like cri- uh, cross earrings were very uh, popular. Mm, mm-hmm. am, I, am I right about that? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, my, I would have been bad for vampires. That would have been bad yeah, for vampires. Right. Yeah, And I would have... Uh, uh, I like them. I wanted some, and my mom was like, mm, "I don't think, I don't think that's a good look." But I feel like my dad would be fine with it because he likes um, everything, like Christian, um, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist. He just doesn't like Jewish. Stuff. He's a coexist guy. He likes the coexist bumper sticker. He's yes, but he's like a co. He actually really likes Yoda. Also, he's obsessed with Star Wars. Okay, he's a cool. Coexist like well, we should have him back. He and I should talk about Star Wars sometime. Oh yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> I, we really should. That's actually a great idea. I gotta have him back. I have to my, have my mom on too um, this month, especially because she wrote a book about Gulf War syndrome. Did oh you know wow, that? I didn't yeah. know that. Wow, well, it's a book. It's a fiction book. Fictional. It's a historical fiction. And then That's she got cool. really into Gold, Gulf War syndrome, and everyone denied it and all that. But um, anyway, you know what? Speaking of Gulf War syndrome. There, nothing makes me think of Gulf War syndrome more than Valentine's Day. So, oh sure, uh, oh, oh sure, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, happy Valentine's Day to everyone watching yes. this. Yeah. Um, h- how's your Valentine's Day going so far? Well, you know, uh, uh, Kate over the weekend, that's my wife, uh, um, got um, very afraid that she had COVID. 
but she didn't have COVID. She had, she just had a slight temperature and then she called the doctor and the doctor was like, go get a test and, you know, isolate. And so we did have to like isolate yesterday until literally this test came, the test result came at like midnight last night. And she was like, I don't have COVID. And I was allowed to come back to bed. <laughs> I mean, maybe she just wanted some space. Could be, could be. Could she be. had to be like, oh, um, yeah, I think I may have COVID. Uh, I know. We're going to have to take a, take a, take a moment. <laughs> you, you get, you're on the couch. You're in the yes. dog. It's like a yeah. nice, polite doghouse. Sorry. Yeah. Just got to do a. It did feel like I was in the doghouse, you know, but I really, but it was, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Right. Uh, yeah. But tonight I'm going to make a, a carbonara here at the house and uh, that's going to be the end of that. I mean, it sounds like she scared. She gave you quite the scare. Mm-hmm. She yeah, pulled was, the COVID card, and pulled now the you're COVID on your. Card. If, you, if she hadn't done that, it probably what would have been like? Maybe you'd ordered pizza. No, yeah, I, I would have given her a Snickers bar, um, and you know, wrote "I love you" on a piece of aluminum foil and called yeah, it a day. Exactly, which is actually kind of hard to do, I think, because of the way ink works. But still, mm, yeah, I, yeah, I it would, yeah. No, I would have just let it smear because who gives a shit? Oh yeah, you see, no wonder she pretended <laughs> exactly. to have COVID. Right well now, done, I, now I have to treat her like a queen because like I thought she had COVID for twelve hours. Carbonara queen. Mm-hmm. The Ooh, carbonara actually, queen. You could do that. You could be like carbonara queen. Oh yeah. Then, right. Yeah, we could do that. You know, maybe I'll do that tonight. I'll 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 check back in with you and tell you if yeah. I sing that tonight. Yeah, definitely. And you can do a report back, and you can record it. I want to see video of you singing that very song <laughs> with the co- the cover the cover version that I sure. told you about. Speaking of love, I wanted to share something from the president. It is so heartwarming. It's so heartwarming. Literally, no pun intended. I think this man's heart might be warm. Might be too warm. Yeah. So here it is. Wow. Okay. Can we everyone see that? Yeah. So, oh, here's my obnoxious thing. We'll we'll play that after. First, let's just look at this. Reporter, what inspired you to organize this Valentine's Day art installation at the White House? First Lady Biden, I just wanted some joy with Aww. the pandemic. Just wow. everybody's feeling a little down. So it's just a little joy, a little hope, wow. that's all. Wow. So let's now, watch this. Let's listen to let's listen to the vice president here because this is classic rambling Biden, and I missed him so much. One thing I want everyone to notice about this video is Biden's not wearing an earpiece, <laughs> and so that's why he's rambling. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, what was that thing? Who was it? Okay, he's what like, I thought this was for, for them. Valentine's Day. Oh, it's not Valentine's Day. I'm not telling you. Okay, he says, Oh, it's Valentine's Day. I'm not telling you. <laughs> I'm gonna try to. Wait, rip- who, who was it who pointed out that someone was like in his? Must have been in his earpiece. He was like passing someone in the uh, army. The salute and, the soldiers. Yeah, was that you? Was that you who told me that? I mean, I. Like, I mean, do I don't the know. Salute, and he's like, "Now do the salute." I definitely talked about it recently, but I don't know if I showed it to you. I was. I yeah. showed it on my show. I think. Yeah, he like walks past some soldiers, and he's like, "Salute the soldiers," because he's like hearing it in his earpiece, and he's supposed to repeat it. Um, I love this video so much. Um, Did I just put my butt totally on the screen? By the way, I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. I love this video because this is a return to form of rambling Biden Ramblin with no earpiece. Man. You're yeah. going to see him talk in a moment. He's going to say, I was interviewed by a reporter, Choo Choo Chang, and they had the windows that said, Joe loves Joe. And I said, what? Joe loves Joe. Jill loves Joe. So you'll see. <laughs> Are you serious? Okay. You're going to have to repeat that after, but listen, let's play it now. Okay, ready? Listen close. Let's start from the beginning because I don't know what he said at the beginning. All right. Is that good? Everyone can he see. He says, right? I'm not going to tell you what I'm getting there for. I'll... <sighs> Wow. There he is, dressed like a greaser, too. Dressed like Grease Lightning. 
in his fucking jeans and like a leather jacket. Press is gonna think it was for them. What's your gift for Valentine's Day? Uh, it's not Valentine's Day, I'm not telling you. Oh, it's not, I'm not telling you. <laughs> Valentine's Day is a big day. Valentine's Jill's Day is a big favorite day. day. Jill's favorite day. For what real? inspired you to do this? I just wanted some, you know, joy and I think things are Wonderful. Good. You know, so with the pandemic, just. Send the money. With the pandemic. With the pandemic. A little joy. Send me the money. Okay. What? Okay, wait, what did he say? First, ju- first year I was vice. Okay, okay hold, on. hold on. a second. It's going to get Joe. It's going to be a good Joe. So that poor dog. First year we were vice president. Oh, you guys, the press walked out of the executive office building. I walked into my office, and every single pane the vice president's office, you see those panes? It was three, six, nine. Okay, wait. Hold on a second. Pause for one second, because I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to say what happened so far. Okay, he said this is the first year that I was vice president, and then we walked out of the executive office, and the press was there, and and my. And my office is upstairs, and you can see the windows of the vice president's office. One, two, three, four, five, sixteen, seventeen. He's like counting the number of windows to where the windows are. Now you can continue. I'm just trying to help yeah. everybody. There's definitely some weird jump in the counting. <laughs> he's like he's like four, three, sixteen, eighteen. First year we vice president. Oh, you got the press walked out of the executive office building. I walked into my office. And every single pane, the vice president's office, you see those panes of like three, six, nine, 18 panes in each window? She had taken her to the school kind of paint the kids put on poster boards, put a heart, said, Joe loves Jill. I don't say Jill loves Joe, Joe loves Jill. Everyone. Okay, so he says, he says, they painted on the windows like you know how kids use paint on the poster boards, and it said Joe loves Jill. And I went in there, and, I, and one of them said Joe loves Joe, and I said No, Joe loves Jill. I'm like, I, what are you talking about, sir? This is the president. I'm saluting <laughs> yeah. our president here. Continue. On the next morning, remember Choo Choo Chang? What? Remember, remember Choo Choo Chang? I don't know. I did an interview with her. She said, I understand. If you and your wife have a great love affair, and I said, I hope so. And I said, but everybody knows I love her more than she loves me. She said, look her straight in the eye. I said, that's what everybody says. <laughs> How do you get that's a great that story. story. <laughs> so he says, he said, I have no idea. He says, do you remember the reporter? Cho- I didn't. I didn't remember the reporter Choo Choo Chang. Well, I did an interview with her, and she says, you know, you two have a great love affair. And I said, Choo Choo oh, Chang, got it. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Who's it? Choo Chang, apparently. I don't know. I but, have no idea. Uh, He's like, it's like, wow. And you remember I did an interview with her and she said, you guys got a great love affair. And I said, well, you know, I love, maybe I love her more than she loves me. And I said, everybody's saying that anyway. Okay. And then, oh, it's Juju Chang. Okay. Hold on. Let's see. Joe. Joe loves Jill. Everyone. I went on the next morning. Remember yes. Juju Chang? She do. I she was on Nightline. Yeah. She said, I understand. If you and your wife have a great love affair, and I said, I hope so. And I said, but everybody knows I love her more than she loves me. She said, look me straight in the eye. I said, that's what everybody says. <laughs> How do you extend that love story to the American people that are... 
Sorry. He says, that's trigger. what everybody says. <laughs> okay, trigger warning for what the um, reporter's about to say. Yeah, seriously. I said, that's what everybody says. <laughs> How do you extend that love story to the American people that are feeling so down right now, so discouraged? I'll tell you right now, through these hearts that you see before you. Send me the fucking money, sir. Through Please send me the fucking money. Through a display. That's how you do it. This is my love I know. affair. It's so Jill, by the way, watch Jill back there being like, oh boy, this is not good. Should I like tug him people. out of here? Yeah. They're feeling so down right now, so discouraged. Yeah, look at her face. There is hope. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. Strong. Stay strong for the hope. Bearable suffering. Lost their families, lost their children, lost their husbands, wives, moms, dads. Jill's like, where are the, the people that come around and say, okay, okay, thank you, thank you. They're still in your heart. There's. They really are. In your heart, and, and and which is why we have a bunch of cutout hearts behind us yeah. right now. And here, come, here comes Jill. Let's get out of here, Joe. How about that? <laughs> Joe, Gotta did, go. Joe, didn't you say you wanted to watch that, that movie or something? Now, Don't we have to leave right now? There is hope. There's hope. There's hope. There's All right, everybody. Joe has to go. A lot of people have gone through terrible suffering. Lost their families, lost their children, lost their husbands, wives, moms, dads. And it's almost unbearable. The only thing I can say it's almost unbearable. They're still in your heart. Think about them in your heart. They really are. They're very experienced. They're in your heart. What do you say? Hope this lifted your says, spirits. <laughs> hope this lifted your spirits. Wow. Huh? Yeah. Wow. I mean, oh, we're man. really supposed to be moved by that. Do you want to know how sick I am, Katie? How sick? I watched like the full six minute version of oh, that no. on C SPAN. What did we miss? <laughs> Just more Joe walking around and they he says the he like the, the reporters ask him if they brought coffee for everybody and he's like, Oh no, I didn't bring coffee for everybody, man. Like I, I had to do it. You know what else I've watched, Katie, is I watched uh there was like an eighteen minute long version of Douglas Emhoff, the second gentleman. Yeah, going course, yeah. on going on his little tour of like a um of like some sustainable farm. And just like standing there while people tell him stuff, I had to watch all of that too. I I'm an I'm the Emhoff oh, head. Oh, I'm an M now. I'm an Emhoff head. I mean, I am too. I don't know anything <laughs> about him, but I feel like I can identify that way. Brad you don't know. Sensor. You don't know anything about entertainment lawyer Douglas Emhoff, no. whose firm used to represent Cole Sprouse before he became the uh, husband to the vice president. Yeah. Whose adult adult white adult children call Kamala Mamala. Mamala, yeah. <laughs> Well, ma, well, you mean when you say white adult children, you mean like are they they're they're adults, right? <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm but saying. What is does that the white part have to do with it? Mamala is um Yiddish. I just was saying they're white adult children. Oh, okay. I guess I guess you're right that maybe it's Yiddish, and I didn't they're know w, what I'm talking they're about. WAC. Um, but W-A-C, anyway, they call her Mamala. Yeah, yeah. What's that's her name? Old, that's honestly why how I remember it's Kamala, not Kamala. I'm not it's even the being Mamala? judgmental. Yeah, I'm like Mamala. Yeah, Kamala. Yeah, Mamala. Um, uh. Brad also sent us, oh, oh, we should, you know, let's stay on. Brad sent us something about Valentine's Day, which I'll get to later because uh, it's an interesting, has a dark, dark history. But I want to make sure that we get to the other um, Jill Biden related news. Um, Jack. Ah, yes, this is huge. This is a huge story. And by the way, I just saw your text that I shouldn't, I should mute while I'm typing. I didn't even see it till then. I apologize. Uh, Let me, uh, let me get this story up here really quickly because this is. An absolutely huge Jill Biden story. I'm going to have a bite um, of chocolate. Okay. I have to do it off screen. Here. 
Uh, okay, let me get this here. This is huge. Let me share my screen What's here. What's called again? Mukbang. A, yeah. mu a mukbang, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so this is actually, this is a story that I think is uh, pretty huge. Um, First Lady Jill Biden wore a scrunchie while shopping, uh, and people felt so seen. I mean, that's not a joke. Like, that sounds like onion. This is from Glamour. This is from Glamour magazine. Um, this is an article about how First Lady Jill Biden wore a scrunchie while shopping. Extra, extra, read all about it. First Lady Jill Biden wore a scrunchie while shopping and people felt so seen. Extra, extra. How do you, is it a reflective scrunchie? Like, does it have a, uh, is it like silver so that Let's you see. literally see yourself in it? Spotted. Jill Biden wearing the most relatable hair look to make a comeback in the past year. On February 12th, the First Lady posted a pic to Twitter of her, late, of her latest secret errand to pick up some Valentine's treats from the Sweet Lobby, a black-owned bakery. You, oh my God. Can you zoom in on that? Yeah. Well, you do that? Okay. Uh, a black-owned bakery in Washington, D.C. Dropped by the Sweet Lobby earlier to pick up some Valentine's treats for the weekend, Biden tweeted. Shh, don't tell Joe. And there it is. I, I honestly, I'm looking at this image again, and I'm feeling seen again. I'm feeling seen <laughs> I'm feeling all over again. You know what it's I mean? It's almost too like, much. It's like I'm yeah. enough already. I've seen myself. I can see myself wow. right here anyway. Look at L that. Can we do even more? Uh, let me try to get it in a little closer. This, oh, I'm feeling more and more seen I, by yeah, the moment. Yeah, it's almost too much. I don't want to look like a narcissist. This is like Sauron. This is myself. like the the flaming eye of Sauron is looking at me at this point. That's how seen I feel. Um, I want to know what material that is. Do we think that's velvet? Do we think that's like a stretch velvet, or is it cotton? Well, we should get back to the article because maybe they'll get All into right, it there. You know, obviously. Right. Uh, if you thought the macaroons were the only thing that caught the people's intentions, you obviously didn't read the headline. Followers of Wait, the intentions. What does that mean? Uh oh. Uh yeah, you're right. It should say attentions. Attention. That's all right. Wow, someone uh, wasn't paying. Uh, Emily Tannenbaum, please do better. Uh, <laughs> do if you better. thought the macaroons were the only thing that caught people's attention, you didn't c catch the headline. Followers of At Flotus couldn't help but notice her blue scrunchie, which they felt was a refreshingly normal way to top off her look. Dr. Biden was, of course, was also wearing a long pink coat, floral earrings, and a black mask, of course. So part of what I... So part of what I never realized I needed was a Flotus in a scrunchie, one user replied. Their tweet received over four thousand likes there all we right. are all right we're gonna have to do we have to do our live tweet what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and by the way i wanted to say gulags that was our that ain't it chief oh yeah gulags. i'm gonna have the big i'm gonna have to go throw up a big that ain't it to gulags and you know uh i stand against them you know what i mean you get a lot of people out there being like well Pro you like gulag. socialism yeah what about gulags and I, you know what i have to say to that I that don't like gulags. Don't, that ain't it, Chief. Yeah. And it's a big that ain't it for me. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so for your live tweet, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, we all did feel seen by this. So, yeah, what do we, you know. we want to tweet about this? Well, you know, one thing, this is not maybe for your live tweet, but what I do think is interesting about the term, like, feeling seen is because, like, isn't feeling seen just another way of saying, like, feeling pandered to? Yeah. But it's a good thing? <laughs> kind of yeah yeah it's like i, I mean, felt unless, pandered to yeah i guess so unless you're like unless you're like a kid in a family who never gets like who's always ignored right you know what then i mean i, then, I feel then seen like, yeah i get yeah. that part but like uh yeah i don't know what do we think maybe it shouldn't be a lot i mean what do we think we don't want to 
We didn't, you know what I didn't do is we didn't ask for any, if Biden treated like Trump. No, God. I mean, it's, it's, there's so much now we have to, we have to get through. And I have to to go make carbonara in six minutes. I know, you got to make carbonara, yeah. Um, But guys, we have another guest coming on, by the way, which you're going to have to stay to hear who that one is. Wow. uh, A secret guest? A secret guest. And we're going to be getting into, oh, it's, when's President's Day? Tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the president's men, or actually one of the presidents, you may know him by the name of Lincoln. Well, there's a certain project that happened <laughs> around Lincoln, and we have someone wow. who's going to uh, wow. who helped break that story. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. In these six minutes, though, Jack. Yes. Uh, what can what do you want to talk about? Do you want to tweet? Do, what, should, what? should we look at the Should we look at the China story just quickly yes, before yes, I before that, we do yeah, that? Please, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, give me just one second sure. here. So this is the other thing I thought was interesting this week uh, of the various stories that went on. Uh, we got a great um, piece about, um, and this is again one of these things where it's like finally. You know, Trump is gone and we have a new administration in charge and, you know, everything that that means. Um, so Biden did have his first call uh, with President Xi this week. Um, uh, and you'll see here Biden raises concerns with the Chinese president in his first official phone call. Uh, let's check this out. Um, so, first of all, uh, Biden doesn't plan for now to lift tariffs uh, on um uh, China that were imposed by the Trump administration. And of course, you'll remember that those were the tariffs that we are talking about on MSNBC all the time as like destroying farmers and actually like because, you know, Trump is a, uh, um, you know, a puppet of Putin is the only right. reason that he's doing these kind of tariffs to help destroy America. We're not going to be lifting those tariffs right, right. away on China. Um, we're going to, but it's not going to strength. It's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a scrunchy. Yeah, we're going to scrunch. We're going to scrunch the uh, we're going to scrunch the tariffs. Uh, So he's not planning to uh, uh, lift tariffs. However, they are unlikely to reduce the U.S. military presence in Asia as uh, former President Trump threatened to do. So, you know, that's a little on the upside is we're definitely not going to be bringing back any troops that we have stationed, um, you know, in Asia. Uh, so, you know, that's like Biden's going to keep the tariffs, but he's going to also keep the troops there. So that's a big, you know, big plus oh, so or it's, whatever. So if you don't like, okay, if you don't so, like troops being overseas, then it is slightly worse than the Trump policy. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is different anyway. It's one of the things that's different. You about, know why? Cause we do it with dignity. <laughs> we keep them there with dignity. Yeah. Um, uh, then we also have, uh, um, uh, bah, 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 we do it for democracy. We yeah. do it for democracy, of course. Uh, also, want to talk about this. Uh, um, officials said the call was aimed at signaling a new U.S. strategy that maintains a core tenant of the Trump administration's policy: intense competition, but takes a dramatically different approach. And so, I've said this before, and I think other people have said it too. I think that the biggest uh, way that the Overton window was shifted by Trump. Uh, is in an aggressive posture to China. Um, you know, remember in 2016 when he was talking about like China this and China that, everyone was like, he's racist against China. Now that Biden's uh, uh, in office, we're like, we're going to actually keep a very aggressive stance with China uh, and we need to have intense competition, um, you know, which is a core tenet of the Trump administration's policy. So what we did was we, and this is um, uh, uh, a senior administration official, um, which by the way, 
this is kind of odd just in general that like same as in the Trump administration, people are not giving quotes on the record. Like it's still a senior administration official. Anyway, uh, we looked at what the Trump administration did over four years and found merit in the basic proposition of an intense strategic competition with China and the need for us to engage in that vigorously, systematically across every instrument of our government and every instrument of power. But we found deep problems with the way in which the Trump administration right. went about that competition. So, I mean, what ostensibly... Way? I'm just curious. I'm, I mean, I'm I don't know. What they, right. I, I guess it was like saying cuss words or something. Yeah. Like, I, basically what they say is the one difference in Biden's approach is that he's going to be attending summits in Asia. Right, yeah. I mean, I guess virtually. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. over Zoom or whatever. Um, either way, I just thought this was another uh, interesting article of like, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. This is an right. article where they're trying to say we are basically continuing the same aggressive posture and the same foreign policy, um, you know, uh, uh, positions as the Trump administration. But we want to highlight how different it is that we're doing the same thing. Right. It's just um, there's a lot of dignity there. There's a lot of dignity there. And I'll, I'll have I have just one more. Yeah. Uh, there's dignity and decency uh, in a way that there wasn't with Trump because uh, Trump, you know, said cuss words and he called it the China virus and stuff like that, uh, which, by the way, it is racist to call it the China yeah. virus. And it is racist to try to blame China in any way uh, uh, for uh, the COVID-19 outbreak. Yeah, well, uh, we really should be hitting up bats. Bats are bad in there. <laughs> well, the I mean, literally, when it comes, do, yeah, it I mean, to be honest with you, it's change. like it's like climate change. And it's also like just that's how new diseases come right. about. You know what I mean? It's like. What what the hell are you going to do? Like, diseases come and start to exist. Like, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Well, it's like, yeah. I, I, like, are we, uh, anyway, uh, um, this is another article that just came out today, and I thought this was a really interesting one insofar as how uh, consent gets manufactured. So this is a writer's story uh, uh, about, you know, the White House on Saturday called China to make available data from the earliest days of the COVID-19 outbreak, saying it has deep concerns about the way the findings of the World Health Organization's uh, COVID-19 report uh, was communicated. So... This is them. What's what the news story is here is that the Biden administration called China to confront them about uh, how the uh, reports to the World Health Organization uh, uh, were not um, accurate. Uh, uh, or, you know, we're not accurate initially. Uh, uh, and so if you if you really look into like where this story comes from in the first place, this idea that the WHO uh, um, reports were not accurate uh, is from this like New York Times article this week, uh, which we also now know uh, uh, the people quoted in the article uh, are saying um, are, are saying that they that they were misrepresented. So a new New York Times piece finds that China hid info during the recent WHO fact-finding trip to Wuhan, but two investigators quoted in the article say their quotes were intentionally twisted to fit a prescribed narrative. Wow. Uh, Peter DeZak uh, uh, and um, Thea Colson-Fisher both say this was not my experience with the WHO mission. Uh, as lead of Animal Environment Working Group, I found trust and openness with China counterparts. We did get access to critical new data throughout. We did increase our understanding of likely spillover pathways. This other person says this was also not my experience either on the Epi side. We did build up a good relationship in China and Epi team. Allowed for allowing for heated arguments reflects a deep level of engagement in the room. Our quotes are intent are intent are intendedly twisted, casting shadows over important scientific work. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying is like as far as how 
uh, um, consent gets manufactured. There's an in- inaccurate New York Times article. Uh, then the White House makes a call to China based on the inaccurate information in that article. And that call becomes newsworthy uh, and becomes a, a story on Reuters, which basically kind of like alludes to the fact that the WHO reports were not accurate, but that's based on inaccurate reporting in the first place. So this is just another in our like new the new misinformation front of our uh, uh, new Cold War against China, which is the same as the Cold War against China we had when the orange man uh, right. uh, was Cheeto in charge. Mussolini, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just and the reason that. why we're mad at them, the reason why we're mad at them, by the way, uh, uh, that is because um, last year we were the number one recipient of foreign investment. The U.S. has been the number one recipient of foreign investment for as long, like since World War II, basically. Uh, and last year we dropped to number two. China is now number one, and we dropped by fifty percent. We we lower we got fifty uh, percent uh, less foreign investment uh, in the United States uh, than we did the year before, uh, and so if you want to know why we have an aggressive posture with China, it's because they're kicking our ass economically, and that's the only thing that America ever fucking cares about. I mean, you heard it here first. Well, you've heard it here many times. Margaret Kimberly, um, uh, other friends of show, Jack Allison, Danny Haifong. Um, and we're going to keep telling it like it is. How you like that? That's what we're going to do. Anyway, Katie, I got to go make a fucking carbonara that, over you here. You know, that's really our, that ain't it, chief. <laughs> that ain't it, chief. Let's not go to war with new China. New Cold War, that ain't let's, it, chief. Let's not have a new Cold War with China. Yeah. Uh, and let's definitely not have a hot war because they're fucking going to kick our ass. Yeah, what's Jesus worse than Christ. a Cold War? A hot war. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, um, uh, all right. Uh, see you Thanks, later, Katie. Jack. Thanks see again for week. having me. Bye, everybody. Bye. Okay, guys, so we are going to bring on a guest. So excited. Uh, we've been in the same green room before. I don't think we've been on the same show at the same time, though. And you know what? I'm just going to call it right now. I already get all this shit about being part of a brown, red-brown alliance. I'm bringing on someone. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but we do have a shared commitment to certain things, because that's what happens, and the shared dislike of a certain project. Um, and so I'm bringing into the chat Ryan Gerduski, who is the associate editor at the American Conservative Magazine and the author of the book, They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the Nationalist Populist Revolution and a political consultant from New York City. And uh, you can just follow him, his first and last name, which uh, is not as easy to, to spell, uh, but we'll put it on the screen and you'll be able to figure that out. And let's bring into the onto the virtual screen uh, stage, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Katie. Ryan Gerdusky. Close. Gerdusky. What did I yeah. say? Gerdusky. Yeah. Oh, but... Gerdusky. My dog's oh. in my lap because he will not stop crying. Let me see. Let's see. Time. Let's see him. We. Oh my God. Crying, will you? What um, is that? The multi poo. Can I see? Can I see another? Oh, come on, Royal. Oh my God. Into the camera. That is. I. I have a. You know my. Um, Bodie Pooch Pup. I played a video of her earlier. Yeah. Did you, I don't know if you saw it. Let me just show you so you can see a picture of her um, because she's pretty, pretty cute. Um, yeah, he will not. Like, yeah, he loves attention. So if I put him on the ground, no, yeah, don't worry about it. Him. You know, we had we've had Chomsky on. His dog made an appearance. Okay. Um, uh, Mike, Senator Mike Gravel. So a lot of a lot of dogs have appeared. That on is show. an Ewok. Whoever said that in your chat? Yes, it is. I was thinking about calling him Chewbacca actually, and then um, I ended up naming him after my favorite, one of my favorite movie characters. So his name is Royal Tenenbaum. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. look at this. Ready? 
Yes. Hold on. Small size. screen. Uh, I got to just show you Bodhi. Okay. You see her? Ah. Uh, right. She's a lost opsa. Yeah. Yeah. How very, old? Very oh, you can't see her well. Hold on. Let me go back. And, I, and I saw the picture. Oh, you How saw old? it, right? She's yeah. a re- um. I think thirteen. She's a rescue. Oh, uh, he's a rescue too. He's three. So it's a lot. Oh, he's energy. three. Oh my yeah. god, he's so cute. Anyway, yes. well, um, sorry, that's not the point. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so with dogs, the next yeah, that's four always, hours. yeah, it's always important to have you know both sides of the spectrum meet to talk about dogs. But I do kind of, I don't know. I, sometimes I see people I absolutely hate online, and then I see that they have a cute dog, and it makes me feel really conflicted. And um, <laughs> you know, but uh, so tell tell us about um, uh, the Lincoln Project and and how you uh, discovered you know what you discovered about them. So if you don't know what the Lincoln Project is, it was the Republican anti-Trump group that was set up in 2019 by members, including John Weaver, um, Rick, Rick Wilson, Steve Schmidt, um, George Conway. And it was this group of Republicans who wanted the Republican Party to move away from Trump. Um, they had a lot of ads. They raised $90 million, uh, $87 million is the actual number, but about $90 million. And... Um, during uh during their time um john weaver was sexually um harassing young men online trying to groom them oftentimes reaching out to them um promising them career advice being a mentor um offering them jobs and internships at the lincoln project in exchange for sex so um he followed me on twitter as he did thousands of people i'm not the only one and i didn't think much of it and within a few days of Excuse me. Within a few days of him following me, I got a direct message from some young men saying, some three young men saying, um, do you actually know him personally? And I said, no, I have no idea. Like, I, I know who he is, but I don't know him. And they said to me um, something to the effect of, look, he is um, he preys on young men. I think they thought I was a lot younger than I actually am. Um and I was like, okay. And they sent me screenshots that he had done with them. One of the young men had had a sexual encounter with him on the idea of offering a job that never emerged. Um, and I was very obviously, you know, a change in power structure and how they were, uh, you know, how he was using his influence and his power to try to get uh, in bed with these young men. So you, uh, that's like the very basic. Do you want me to dive into the entire process of writing it or? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I at the time, because I work as a political consultant because there's very little money in journalism outside of being, you know, a CNN host or an MSNBC host or a Fox host. So I do political consulting as a way to make money to do writing when I want to. And I was doing a political campaign, so I didn't want it to be under my byline because I didn't want the Lincoln Project to sit there and say, this is obviously a Republican consultant who's trying to slander us for Trump, even though the campaigns I was working on had nothing to do with Trump nor any campaign that Lincoln Project was working against. Um, nonetheless, you know, facts don't matter. So I was working originally with a writer at the New York Post. Um, we were we had gotten several young men on the rec- off the record and a few on the record. It took us over two months to really uh, accumulate it. And during that time, I was speaking to people. Um, I kept on asking, you know, have you heard any stories about any Republican political consultants sexually harassing young men? And literally everyone was like, oh, it's John Weaver, right? I mean, it was the biggest open secret. I couldn't, right. I could not believe how many people knew about it in New York, Washington, Los Angeles. I mean, it was very obvious to a lot of people. So, um, so I, uh, we were ready to go to publication date. 
on August, I think, 3rd or 4th or something like that. And we get a phone call. We're getting close to publication date on August 3rd and 4th. We get a phone call that several members of the Lincoln Project knew about um, what we were working on. Um, several advisory board members. And um, two days later or a day later, I, the days are fogging up my mind, but I think two days later, John Weaver has a heart attack. It's announced on Twitter. So the editor was like, look, we can't reject for common if he's in a hospital bed. We have to push back a week. So okay, we'll push back a week. And during that week's time, the two people on the record dropped off the record. And we had no one on the record. And they wouldn't publish that one on the record person talking about the sexual harassment. Um, weeks of trying to work with you know editors, the Post, or young men trying to come on the record. The story was basically dead. I went to Mediate then. We worked with a different journalist, um, once again, trying to push some young men to go on the record, speaking to different young men. At this point, I probably have a half a dozen to to, to 10 uh, men off the record. Uh, I'm willing to go on background, but no one willing to go on the record. Um, it died there too. So finally in January, one of the Lincoln Project members, it wasn't Schmidt, but I can't remember his name at the top of my head now, tweeted, we're going to keep a database of everyone who ever worked for Trump. And we're going to basically dox them and follow them their entire career so they can't work. And I know your audience probably hates Trump, and that's fine. But the point is, like, a lot of these guys and girls are, you know, they're early 20s, mid 20s, they're secretaries, they're people trying sure. to make a career for themselves. Um, you want to hold people accountable for something that they did not have any control of. Um, but in your own organization, you have a co-founder who is a sexual, sexually harassing young men. So I tweeted, maybe I should talk about the, um, this is on January 9th, I tweeted, maybe I should talk about the member of the Lincoln Project who um, is sexually harassing young, is promising jobs for sex, maybe his wife would like to know. Um, and then I tweeted that what John Weaver often did when he was talking to these young men in their early 20s was call them my boy. Um, and then you have this weird dichotomy with calling him sir at times. It was very, it was very weird and gross and just skeevy. John Weaver, by the way, if people don't know, he's 61 years old. So, um, and I just want to put that up as far as the age structure was. It wasn't like he was, you know, 60 hitting on a 50-year-old. It was men who were in right. college or directly out of college who had no, um, who had no careers of their own. So, um, uh, I tweet that out and later that night, a guy named Josh Price, who since has deleted his Twitter account, tweets, uh, I'm not going to let Ryan have any joy in this. Um, I don't know why he thought I was having a good time with it. Um, I'll say who it is because it happened to me. His, it's John Weaver. And then I finally had someone on the record. And what I didn't realize is that once Josh said it, like multiple men started right. saying it, saying, John Weaver, this is what he did to me. This is what he did to me. So I wrote my article on January the 11th. It came to publication like midnight on the 11th. And um, it was like a dam exploding. And then it was hundreds of young men coming forward. I think it was 150 now at this point over a five-year period. Um, the Lincoln Project did not respond when I asked them for comment. They didn't issue a public release. They ignored it. Uh, the same day, a, a, a journalist, a left-wing journalist named Scott Stedman, who was harassed by John Weaver, came forward with his own account. And he had, I think, I had, I had 10 or 20 on publication date because afterwards it started flooding with people telling me, you know, what happened to them. Um, Scott, Scott had like 50 or 60. And maybe there was some overlap, but there probably wasn't much overlap. And... Um, then they ignored Scott as well. I was on the Laura Ingram show. They ignored her show when they asked her for comment. And on January the 15th, Axios did a complete puff piece 
where Weaver said, look, I'm gay and I'm struggling. And I, you know, he gave a Kevin Spacey excuse exactly, yeah. and, um, and said he used every conversation I have was consensual. And the Lincoln Project put out a, uh, a comment saying we, John Weaver's comment stands for itself. And that's fine. We're standing with his comment. Uh, two weeks later, it's gone silent. Two weeks later, the New York Times puts out a story saying that it's t- they had 21 young men on the record, including a 14-year-old. A former 14-year-old. He's, he's now 18, but he was 14 at the time that Weaver was sexually harassing him. And then the Lincoln Project was outraged. They couldn't believe it. They were disgusted. They were crying. I mean, it was one thing after the other. So Rick Wilson puts out a video where he's like nearly crying. You could hear his voice is shaking. He goes, you know, if you're a young man, please call me and we can, you can yell at me. And, you know, he's so apologetic. And then uh, they have all these, they had, but the, but the important thing that they did, because they did like three podcasts during that time. So disgusting. One of their podcasts, they talk about the New York Post doing a story about them all summer long. At that time, I had never said publicly that I was working with the New York Post. And it was nowhere. So the fact that they knew, they said the publication that I was working with on a story that didn't ever emerge means they knew. They knew something was happening all summer. Um, right. two, week, two weeks later, the Associated Press, um, the New York New Yorker magazine, um, and put out two stories saying they all did know. They knew as early as June about what was happening. It was an open secret inside their own organization. Um, they said that um, after his heart attack, John Weaver did not come back to the Lincoln Project as, according to the New York Magazine, that is objectively false. Then a great reporter, Amanda Becker, put out a story in The 19th, which is a newer publication I not heard of before. Um, she's a gender reporter. She's very, very good. Her report was even more... Um, enlightening, talking about how they didn't only have an anti, how Weaver's sexual proclivities weren't only an open secret. He often preyed on interns within the organization. And the organization was um, extremely hostile. They would call people faggots in the organization. They would, you know, I mean, it was very, very hostile towards both gay people and women. Now, interns have told me that a large amount of interns at the Lincoln Project were gay. And I don't mean to say that as say like, oh, they were, you know, I'm just saying the insensitivity of the room. Like, read the room. Right, right, right. Yeah. You're in front of. Um, even if you want to say those kinds of words or say that kind of language, like, you would generally think, oh, I'm not going to say it in front of someone who, one, works for me, and yeah. B, you know, is gay. So, um, so the... Um, and the, by the way, I just want to say, like, it's inter- the night, so 19th, I'm just looking at, they're not, they're not conservative. Neither is the Associated um, Press, neither is New York Magazine. Oh, right, of course. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. When the Associated Press story came out, Rick, Rick Wilson not, said, right, it, yeah. said it was a Trump hit piece and the Associated Press. Right. Um, and New York Magazine is fairly yeah, left wing. So, like, it's not like, and the 19th is basically left wing. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. it's a complete, like, Liberal, so these yeah. are now, you know, New York Times, but the piece, everything. So, yeah. um, so they, so then, Jennifer Horn, who is the only female co-founder, and she was the head of the New Hampshire Republican Party for some time. Water. Oh, sure. She is the only female co-founder of the Lincoln Project. She gets doxxed. Someone hacked into her Twitter account. I think I know who that is, but I don't want to say it publicly because it's mostly on hearsay. So I don't, I don't, I don't hearsay, but I have people who have told me who it is, but I don't, they I don't, go I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Anyway, she her she says she's leaving because of the way they handled John Weaver's story. 
They say no, it's because she wanted to make a half a million dollars a year, which, by the way, is far less than what the male coworkers were making, which is, you know, in, even in a grift, women can't make the same thing as men. Um, <laughs> that's just a joke. Anyway, so um, so he um, so she asked for far less, and um, she um goes about um she says no it's because of john weaver they say no it's because of money they she was speaking to amanda becker from the 19th and they leaked screenshots they posted screenshots on twitter of jennifer's conversation with amanda becker hacking tweeting hacked dms is a, a federal crime so within minutes of them tweeting this, literally Maggie Haberman was like, I've never seen someone do this before. George Conway tweets, you are breaking the law right now, and I really suggest you delete this tweet. The tweet comes down, and I think, I believe as of yesterday, the Twitter account has been down since. Uh, and as of yesterday, their fundraising page is down as well. So just to explain, George Conway is one of the founders of uh, the Lincoln Project, and then he left. And he yes. was, he quince, or weirdly enough, is married to... Um, Kellyanne, Kelly Conway. which Kelly I, can, Conway. I can go into a whole okay, yeah. philosophy. Anyway, whatever. Now, by the way, at this point, after the after the 14-year-old story comes in, members start dropping left and right. They start leaving the organization, citing that they had other projects or whatnot. Um, once that happens, Jennifer Horn leaves. And then Steve Schmidt, after the Jennifer Horn incident comes out, um, leaves, writes a 10-page uh, resignation letter online, says how he was sexually abused as a 13-year-old. A guy at his summer camp named Gay Ray touched him inappropriately. And how, that's, that's what I he know, said, I know. Gay Ray, I didn't make that up, that's in his letter. Um, he, um, how Gay Ray touched him inappropriately and how John Weaver has put him back in the place of being that 13-year-old who was you know, unable to defend himself, all the rest of this stuff. And, um, and then on the last page, he both apologized to Jennifer Horn, says he worked with her the most, um, says that he basically okayed it putting on Twitter and then plugs his hit with Bill Maher. Says, please watch me on Bill Maher. So, and then it was announced that the FBI is now investigating John Weaver. So that is where the whole entire uh, Lincoln project, that is a basic, I know it's a long story, but that is a 10,000 foot view of right. uh, project. So we now know that people did know about it. That was an open secret that they closed ranks and pretended not to know about it, right? That people, do we know what happened? Like, do we know what happened when he had the heart attack? Did people reach use that to like buy time to so reach out to people or? The Washington Blade, which put out a, which put out a story, which was the first place to put out a story that it was an open secret. The Washington it's a gay Blade. newspaper. Yeah, they attacked, I, they did not cite me when they originally published it, even though I broke the story. And then they um, said that, for some reason, because the New York Post didn't publish the story that right-wingers were covering up, even though I broke the story. So don't really know the angle they were going for, but um, they said that the heart attack was true. I will tell you, I reached out to several hospitals near his home in Texas, and no one had a ho- no, no one had a record of John Weaver being in the hospital. If he was in the hospital, because I was desperate to get the story out, so I was like, literally, I will find him, and I will, like, I will figure out a way to get him on the record right. and, and ask right. this question. And um, probably not the smartest journalistic thing to do, but yeah. they no one had a no one had him on even. Yeah. So I would say alleged heart attack. Sure. John Weaver has a history of when things are going bad for him to um, have a health incident. Now he has had cancer in the past and allegedly a lot of health problems, but he does. It always seems to flare up at a time where a news article is coming out about him. 
that mind stress uh, connection. Yeah. And so then who I'm trying to find the I meant to get this before the Bill Maher clip because he had. Yeah. Bill Maher did not ask one time about the Rick Weaver sexual harassment, even though even though he resigned that day. And I genuinely generally like Bill Maher's program. I think that he's fairly brave, at least in asking kind of questions that other people want to ask. And didn't ask him, like just straight up didn't ask him. Oh, and then the best way, this was the best. In his resignation letter, Steve Schmidt said, um, uh, (laughs) he said he was leaving the organization to make room for more women and minorities. The board was basically emptied at that point. There's only two original founders left. There's room for you to put another person on. It's right. just like intersectionality is seems to be the defense for. Uh, I mean, it was. I was. I was so not screaming. Funny. I was. I literally just want. I think I was just, just cursing over and over again while yeah. reading. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. So yeah, let's watch it. I mean, so so just to just to, you know, wrap up or just to sum up what we're saying. Uh, Steve Schmidt. He goes on the Bill Maher show the same day that he, he resigns. resigns and Bill Maher doesn't ask him about that. Doesn't ask him at all. He barely, he says, I wish John Weaver was never in the organization and like skims over it. And I've, Bill built to Bill Maher's credit. He asked him about the money because the Associated Press reported that of the 87 million they raised, 50 million was recycled back in founding members of the Lincoln projects. Um, uh, in companies, the Lincoln Project members, founders owned, and right. Rick Wilson allegedly, according to um, Amanda Becker's story, was talking about how Rick Wilson would constantly talk about how the Lincoln Project was going to bring his family generational wealth. Ugh. He's the war. I mean, I, I don't know who I hate more, um, Rick Wilson <laughs> or Steve Schmidt. I think Rick Wilson. He's so Rick odious. Wilson is extraordinarily unappealing. Yeah, he really is. And like him making fun of Bernie being an old man. I'm like Bernie could run laps around you sorry like ideology aside the guy is in so much better shape than you and you're like so much younger well he lives in vermont vermont is like tough elements you have to kind of be somewhat fit just to live there it's just there it's just tough like it's a tough environment yeah yeah and uh remember he not a big ann Coulter fan but uh remember he said like what does does trump do you charge extra for anal or something uh probably something yeah. yeah yeah um so, so Mar does not ask him about this. Like, yeah. so, and you see, what's interesting about this is it's it's not really clear. It's like Mar could either have because it was so not covered. Who knows? He may not have heard about it, or he did hear about it. And obviously, made it was choice. literally the Associated Press. It was. Yeah. In, I mean, and he plugged the Mar hit in his resignation letter. Oh yeah, so forget it. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a hard time. Yeah. I was I did I was doing. I was doing a couple shows that night and literally every producer from all those shows called me to tell me, hey, we're going to put the Steve Schmidt resignation on the forefront. Right. I mean, uh, so yeah. I have a hard time saying that those producers knew and, right. and his producers didn't know. Right. Yeah, you're right. No, and I wasn't trying to give I wasn't trying to give him any like cred. I was just more speaking to how buried a story it was. But I guess at this point it wasn't. No, it was everywhere. Anything else you want to make sure people t- know about? Um, Anything else you want to talk I, there's about? There's a lot more g- going to come out, but yeah. I think the most important thing is that, especially with the FBI investigation, the most important thing was that it was, you know, that the Lincoln Project made its money off of two classes of people, billionaires and Democrats, and sometimes billionaire Democrats. And, you know, I'm sure your audience is probably not the standard Democrat who donated to Lincoln Project. Hopefully not. But, you yeah. know, if you do know a standard Democrat who like still loves it, because the most heartbreaking thing was that when 
that kid Josh Price posted, hey, John Weaver sexually harassed me. Initially, the first few comments and before he deleted his entire Twitter account was, you're lying. Josh Weaver's a, uh, John Weaver's a good man. And then when the New York Times story came in, they said, oh, we're, you're, no, we know you're sorry. You know, it, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Then every time the Lincoln Project changed their story, there was a, such a significant portion who were like, no, I stand by you. And I'm like, why? Like, why are you this guy? These people are stealing your money, A, and they're grifting and B, um, they all knew like you like they're changing. They changed their story so many times to sit there and to to kind of to work with to work, you know, and keep the grift going. I just generally think that they did not. Um, they didn't think they could that it would end. Right. And there are all these, you know, like David Sirota, <laughs> they did some research into like how how unsuccessful they were. Oh, hard, totally yeah. successful. They did royal. Stop it. They did he, seven. He, hates, on the, he hates them. He hates he, them too. Oh yeah. They put he doesn't seven, like the Lincoln Project. They did annoyed. I know, I know. I put him on the floor for two seconds and he's just acting up. Um so um so uh yeah, the um the um yeah, they did set they ran in seven Senate campaigns. They lost all seven campaigns, and their whole goal mission was to sit there and get Republicans to vote against Trump. Trump gained, I think, six points of Republicans right. in this last election. So they were enormously unsuccessful in everything that they tried to do. Um, but it wasn't about actually trying to win. And now they're rebranding themselves, saying they were the most successful super PAC of all time. And it's just, it's just not, it's just not true. Like it's just so not true. And uh, and I just think people, I think that they need to be called out on on their lies. Yeah, they're really uh let, well let's watch Steve. Should we watch this quick Steve Schmidt yeah, thing? And then okay, let's see. Who remember again, he chose um he's an MSNBC. Is he is a correspondent or just a regular uh, he's here? either no no, he's uh he's paid. He's paid by MSNBC oh, so, yeah, and Cena yeah. and he's got a podcast by the Daily Beast. And I emailed the Daily oh Beast God. on Friday, said, Are you gonna drop Rick Wilson's podcast now that it's been credibly acclaimed by three people that he knew and no response from the Daily Beast. All right, well we should tweet them out and ask them. So here's um Okay, remember, this is the day that he resigns and amidst a um, what anyone else would call a sexual harassment uh, scandal. Steve Schmidt, who talks like this, whose idea was to hire uh, Sarah Palin and also who said it was easier for a socialist, a sociopath than a socialist to get it. I'm not doing his accent. I'm making him sound a little, it's not as strong as I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's there, you know, it's like whatever. And if he were a nice guy, it would be appealing, but it's just... Anyway, I come from, where is he from? New Jersey, maybe? And, uh, he lives in, I think he lives in Florida now, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah. I mean, he lives uh, in Utah. He moved to Utah, yeah. Utah? He just moved to Utah, allegedly because he was going to run against Mike Lee as a Democrat. Oh, and then I yeah. guess that that's oh, all God, well, Yeah. Yes. Okay, let's see. These, these months that took place between Election Day and Inauguration Day are some of the most significant months in this nation's history. What happened between oh, now SES day, strategies, obviously, not Lincoln Project. That's, right? his, that's his private company where he's paid one point five million dollars through the Lincoln Project for political consulting. Through the Lincoln Project, you said? Yes. The Lincoln Project that's paid sick. SES strategies one point five million dollars for political consulting. You got to give him credit. The grip. Oh, is good. yeah. Yeah. The hustle. <laughs> We've invented a lot of great things in this country. Airplanes, iPhones, ships that can land on the moon and return. Penicillin. I say that for Trump. Um, all of these, all of these, all of these, all of these things, the greatest thing Wait, we've why? ever, the greatest thing oh God, we've ever I'm invented in this country, this. bar none, is the peaceful transition of power. 
that was uninterrupted yes. from 1797 sure. until 2021. And separation of powers. And, and that, that, that ended. This process was blood-soaked yes. in the United States of America because of the incitement to violence and insurrection of Donald <laughs> Trump. And any time you have a coalition of convenience between conservatives oh, and fascists, yeah. it is always the fascists who win. And the right. first thing they do when they win is dispatch the naive conservatives who in coalition help bring them to power. And the idea that in 2020 you vote for Donald Trump after he has the blood of hundreds of thousands of Americans on his hands from his lying, his poisoning of our democracy, it is inexplicable. Anyway, I have two two quick points. Yeah, of course, One, yeah. if you had Ghislaine Maxwell on your program, would you talk about anything besides Jeffrey Epstein? Why is someone who allegedly covered up something talking about anything besides what they covered up? That's just yeah. one question. Secondly, as far as American democracy and fascism and these words, these buzzwords that they love to use, had Trump said, you know what, if, if he said this, you know, imaginary in the, in the presidency, if he said, we're going to gut the American military complex and we're going to bring troops home, we're going to sit there and reduce our standing army, we're going to do all these things that a fascist never would do. Would Steve Schmidt appraise that and say, oh, wow, what a what a move a fascist wouldn't do? Freaking, of course not. He would call him a worse fascist. Like, these words mean nothing. And it's not about defending Trump because I criticize him all the time for other things. But I just, I hate the boomer gentr like yeah. generality of our of our time where we say words like, you know, equality or freedom or American, uh, you know, uh, it just these words that mean nothing and they're watered down, but they're, they are, they're supposed to make you feel a sudden emotion. Yeah. And you have somebody whose organization was literally being used to run pedophilia through and don't ask him. Yeah. It's, it's mind blowing to me. I mean, yeah. And it, it also is like, this is a guy, the blood stained hands. I mean, this is a guy who's part of the Bush wing of the party. Yeah. Like Bush has yeah. a lot of blood on his hands. I mean, yeah. sure, they're just Iraqis and American servicemen, but, uh, you know, I mean, so I. I it's, they're working it's, class American servicemen who had to go there for a good college education. So yeah. it don't matter as much. And yeah. Iraqis, definitely. And, don't, and Iraqis, obviously, yes. I'm not. They don't yes. even count. Right. Yes. But, um, no, I mean, there. like, so when you say. Okay, what do we know happened like between so he harassed people? Do we know of any of the con what's the conduct that happened between them? Was did, it? Well, did he have sex with them? Yes, he had sex with them. And so and, and what do you, yes. want, do you want me to read some of the messages yeah. he sent? I'll, I'll clean it up a little bit. Okay, thanks. So this is a direct message through Twitter. Uh, a college student um, who's wanting a job in politics. This is like the beforehand. The college student says, if you have any connections, I wouldn't mind if you send them my way. LOL. John Weaver. Of course. Let me think about that, my boy. College student. You're the greatest. John Weaver. And while I might like you calling me sir after we know each other better, John is good for now. Drinks and dinner sometime? College student. That would be fun. I just turned 20, so maybe dinner, LOL. Uh, John Weaver. Ha ha. Even better. Uh, John Weaver. A few minutes later, you need a mentor, a college student. Indeed, I do. John Weaver, I may know somebody available. College student, who's that? John Weaver, someone with experience, judgment, connections, and looking for someone to travel and spoil. Literally a second later, is your C word big? Thick? Sorry, is it thick? Not big. Is it thick? Um, 
college student. Actually, yes. John Weaver, mouthful. College student, probably no. John Weaver, probably. You've never gotten a BJ. College student, ha ha, yes. John Weaver, so mouthful. College student, ha ha, yes. John Weaver, there you go. Big head, question mark. College student, what, oh, what do you know? Uh, not really. John Weaver, good. College student, why is that? So I was thinking, you're basically the male Olivia Pope. John Weaver, ha, hold on. Caution, I'm about to go play volleyball in a hot minute, FYI. John Weaver, well, a big head could get in the way. Imagine if if after a nice long dinner and great conversation, we end up together, close off, you around, push you onto your stomach. Slowly, I start doing something to your ass. Uh, my tongue flicking around, you moaning. I beg, I go harder, pushing my tongue deeper, you know where, while reaching up and stroking, you know what. You ask uh, me to go bleep you but i don't uh making love to you to your you know what with my mouth and tongue then i roll you over your dick is throbbing pre-cum dripping i put one finger up your you know what and slowly work it while lowering my mouth down over your you know what and down to the shaft i go slowly at first and faster as you push my head uh, your hips squirm and i know you are about to bust then finally a blast hot creamy i slowly lift my lips off of your you know what and kiss you then raise your legs over your knees i lean you over and kiss you and i start entering your you know what the college student i'm about to go play volleyball now sorry i don't i'm sorry that's it's not at all funny it's just so terrible that, it's that so terrible yeah. right john weaver uh that's what i meant i wish you were i was there i wish i was there uh um imagine can you send me tonight what do you like to do to me college student we'll see John Weaver, yes, we will, winky face emoji. College student, headed to the uh, volleyball court. John Weaver, do well, have fun, don't flirt. I've never read that out loud, by the way. That is wow. horrifying. And I'm not to say that, not to say, I mean, you could tell throughout the messages that every time he got flirty, the college student was trying to change the conversation. He even mentions in that thing about him being a male Olivia Pope, like uh, from um, Scandal. Scandal, the TV yeah, show. yeah. Yeah, so he's trying everything he can to try to... Yeah. to this conversation this and when he time. says his age that was like really shocking to me not shocked it stood out to me it's like he's very clearly telling him he's like well i'm 20 so maybe just i dinner. just turned 20 yeah. so yeah like i'm i was like i mean yes 20 is of legal age and it's not you know but but he's i think reminding him of he's 61 years old at the time this yeah. is, uh, this kid who just was 19 like three seconds ago yeah and he so, can't even yeah. buy a drink right um, um so um and yes. then did and I, the, and by, yeah. I cleaned it up a lot because there's yeah. a lot more graphic detail because I didn't right. want to go into the whole thing. That was, that's like, imagine that close to 150 times. And um, he did have several, he had at least um, two sexual encounters that I know of. Um, some of them were underage. Um, uh, the 14-year-old, he constantly asked him, when do you graduate high school? When do you graduate high school? When do you graduate high school? He offered to move people to different... He offered, like, he was... He was not... Sorry. He was asking kids, college kids, to transfer schools so it would be in a city closer so he could see them. One kid, um, he asked for... His, it was so crazy. I talked to him, and he was like... Um, he told me at a summer internship in DC and he said, Oh, it'd be so great if, uh, cause you'll be closest so I could see you. And then the college kid, it was like 20, 19, like under, under 21. And he said to me, you know, he never contacted me again, but I always think like, 
thank God, because I would have went to see him because I wouldn't have known anything. And one of those sexual encounters that Weaver had, he said that he went to his hotel, like a hotel meeting, very Harvey Weinstein-esque, to say that he was going to have a job interview at a hotel. Um, and when he got there, it was not a job interview. The whole thing was sexual the entire time. And he just, um, he, you know, I don't, everyone, I'm not going to judge somebody who was put in that kind of position, but, and they had sexual intercourse that was consensual. He wasn't, you know, forced upon it, but he definitely was in a situation that he should not have been in and he did not know he was approaching. Um, and this happened over 150 times. And, um, yeah. So sorry if anyone has to take a shower after hearing. No. This. Yeah. That's really especially with my voice on top of it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a uh, and and so now the story though is that okay now that we know about it he's terrible. That's what the Lincoln Project people are saying. So the Lincoln Project, yeah. Then they said he's terrible. We knew nothing. He's horrible. We, we wish he was never there. You know. And then they changed their story so many times to we didn't know anything to ignoring it. This is, here's the problem. If Steve Schmidt and Rick Wilson and all these people were so horrified by his behavior and that he was a predator, why did they wait three weeks the New York Times reported on it to say something? And when it did, they constantly referenced the 14-year-old. A 20-year-old is not a 14-year-old, yeah. but it's not. He never talked to somebody who had a career. He never talked to somebody who had jo- It was always somebody anxious and, and trying so hard. Another time... Um, and I didn't put this in my story, but another time, like Weaver, um, was asking a, like, a, he struck a conversation with a waiter who, um, who wanted to, uh, to break into media and he asked him for his Twitter account. He was like DMing him saying, can I come over to your place right now? I really need a massage. And then next time he went to that restaurant, he said, you know, you could have made money if you would have said yes, because kid said no. Um, it was always dangling the idea of having some kind of way to move up the economic power uh, uh, a ladder and some kids did get internships at the lincoln project it was uh, you know and it right. was a position where there were a lot of people there who um were felt that they had not, not felt that they owed john weaver fear but favor but definitely that john weaver helped them do something oh yeah of course it's like right. this is yeah i mean a lot of people in the chats are kind of like uh saying like oh well there's a word no yeah of course there's a word no and uh it's also like if you heard i mean well some people probably wouldn't but i think sometimes it's easier for people to empathize with women going through this because of for for fairly obvious reasons but like this is obviously an abuse of power you heard the 20 year old saying many times uh that uh i had to play volleyball yeah right trying to to get out of it to get out of the conversation in some way yeah and I have been, I've never been sexually molested or I'm not putting myself as a victim at all, but I have been as a young person in an uncomfortable situation before and with a superior and not knowing how to tell them just no. Right. Sometimes confidence something you gain as you get sure, older. Yeah. And I think that a really hard part with breaking the story for me, and I worked on it for so many months, was young men are not supposed to be victims of this. Right. And uh, what's next for you? And what's next for this uh, story? I think I'm going to be breaking a story about this tomorrow on Laura Ingram show, because I think I'm supposed to go on. Um, and I'm trying to put on, I'm trying to write really the, the because so many people have added to my original story at this point and added, and they're great reporters. So I, you know, they're all did amazing jobs because there's been so much added and the response by the Lincoln project has changed so many times. 
And there's so much of a question of both the money aspect and who knew what when. I really want to put and contextualize really the state of affairs as they happen in kind of so you can picture them as they go along. And I want to really show in the way that I just you know read that out loud, I want to show how how he preyed on it. And yeah, most almost all these incidents did not turn into sex. Right. However, um, you know, what, what, what one of his, uh, one of the people he tried to groom said to me, he's like, you know, you're thinking to yourself, I'm 21. I can break into a very difficult field to break into policies is not easy. I'm going to have someone to help me. And then he uses all that trust against you. Right. And then you feel like, and remember everyone at the Lincoln project basically is a lawyer. They're an immensely litigious group. And I mean, if they, they, I mean, and I worked for an outlet. I had some, and I have, you know, a fairly large Twitter following and I was able to get booked on shows. If they were, I mean, and they were threatened, they were veiled, they were having a veil threat to sue me. What could they've done to any of these other people? Yeah. I mean, and especially like you trying to get a job in the future, I'm sure, you know, that someone's, this is going to come back to haunt me. And, you know, a lot of people sat there and said, you know, you're really brave for even trying this. You shouldn't really go after these people, but this is what, you know, but I'm not doing this and what the hell am I doing? Right. Uh, J-H-L-F-C-S says, have people forgot how close to a teenager you still are at 20 when, yes, in fact, it is actually your first rodeo? Yeah. Um, yeah, these are, these are, these, I mean, some, some, there was no one over the age of 30. And in fact, there was no one, oh, I think there was no one over the age of 25. Most of them, I mean, most of these were 19, 20 year olds. Think about how many sexual encounters you have at that age to begin with. Some of these kids are, you know, maybe they're not virgins, but uh, you know, how many experiences they ev ever had period in their life and then a predatory experience. Pred right. It's just, it's kind of mind boggling. And, you know, and yeah, you just sit there and you say, wow. And it's, once again, I want to put the sheer number out. It's over 150 in five years. And those ones who've come forward. Right. So how and many we, have, right. Yeah. And it's, so, yeah. So it's like harassment, even if nothing happened, that's clearly harassment. And then if something happened, that's like, you know, assault, depending on how it happened. But and if the FBI is looking into it, it clearly it's, um, like assault. It has to be it's not because it was, you know, it was roses and, you know, chocolates on the bed. Right. It was because yeah. something was going on. Right. So I'm sure we're going to learn more. Yeah. And there are probably people who haven't come forward who like I bet you some of these people because this is, happens a lot. Like they'll say something happened, but they don't say the whole thing that happened. And there are probably some people who and obviously this is I'm I have no evidence of this. I'm just saying that it's often the case that people come forward with parts of what happened, not all of what happened. And there are probably people who like don't want to come forward at all. But yeah, again, I know I know of one case, which I said on Laura Ingram's show, so I can say it here, where it is, if this person came forward, it would be a criminal allegation. He's just so afraid to come forward. Right. So it is, you know, uh, you know, and if he does, then I will back him up and he, you know, he knows who he is. I support, I, you know, I, I will support him 110%. But um, yeah, this is this is where it is with everything. So um, and the people who with whom he did have encounters they're how how old are they uh, in college in college? And what are they like? They're saying it was how do they well, describe it? They, like, in terms they were of basically it? they basically came for an interview for a job. And I don't know if he was in his bathrobe or not. I just, I don't think he was. I don't think it was like it was, but very quickly in the conversation of what do they want to do with their life and 
what kind of career do they want to have and everything. He started asking them to uh, disrobe and started touching them inappropriately and offering them alcohol. Um, very clear predatory signs. And in the end, you know, I, I think like it was something to the effect of like, um, you know, I could really help you if you help me. I think it won't, I think exact words that one person said is I'll help you professionally if you help me sensually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, so hot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, I mean to laugh at it, but it is just yeah. so, so gross. That's so gross. Yeah. Um, so, and anything else you want to share about like what the experience was like trying to get published? Any, were you surprised by the resistance that you? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I was, I thought it was like, oh my gosh, I have like what Ronan Farrow had and this is going to be awesome. And it was not easy to get published at all. And people, and the, and the companies were super, super worried about being sued. Even though I had the DMs, people right. were like, you know, we're really, really worried about the lawsuit. The Lincoln Project had $87 million in a and George Conway, who worked there, was from the best law firm that ever existed in this country. Yeah, people were people nervous. I mean, they just were nervous. And I understand they're being nervous, but I think that I delivered in the end. And, um, it, you know, and it was uh, and it was hard to sit there and approach someone that you've never met with this with, you know, an incredibly sensitive subject of, oh, tell me the time you were sexually harassed. Right. And I want to report on it and say your name publicly. Um, not not the easiest conversation that I've ever had. And, uh, and them talking about, you know, I'm not an emotional person at all. Like I don't, I'm, I don't at all. And I just hearing their, um, hearing their, um, uh, like how they were, how they had so much hope that this was going to be the way to get, get forward in life. And it just like, you know, becoming a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. And it was doing over and over and over again. Uh, and I think the most frustrating part was I knew that he, the most recent victim while I was doing the reporting was in July of 2020. While I was, you know, it had happened a few weeks beforehand. So even though he knew that people knew that I was doing a story on him, he kept doing what he was doing. And I was thinking in my head, like, how many more people is he doing this to while I'm working on this? Like, every day we don't go to publication. Like, yeah. And who is an, who is the person you have a sexual encounter with? And if this is your constant behavior of um, using your power, you know, is there a case? And I this I'm not saying there was, but I'm saying, is there a case then where you say where that kind of a person um, doesn't take no for an answer? Right. So it, I felt a lot of responsibility once this story came to me, and. Um, and yeah, so I'm glad that I'm glad that so the Lincoln Project goes bankrupt from this and closes as an organization and John Weaver is not in the same place to do this anymore to people then I feel like I did a good job. Yeah. And has anyone thanked you for it? I mean, any of the people you talked to, have they responded? Uh, the Lincoln or... Project? No, no one the Lincoln Project. No, said. no. Any of the, the people? The Lincoln Project who said, you, who said, we're so happy these people came forward never thanked you once. Oh, right. Of course not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're yeah. so happy they came forward. Yeah. But um, yeah. I was just curious if any people reached out to you after. Yeah. The young men. I mean. The young men said, you know, thank you so much. And you and I like it was so funny because I had this one conversation with this one guy and he I said to him, you know, because he not only did he come forward, but he got dozens of young men to come forward for other stories. I mean, he really worked very hard to get as many people as possible to come forward. And I just told him, I was like, you know, you're a hero. Like you did something really important because they were just going to ignore my story. And he went to a lot of bigger outlets than just me. And you, you're really a hero for what you did, these young people, uh, for these young people, and for, you know, that this is, process doesn't continue. 
And uh, and he's like, no, you are for because yeah. I would have never said it if you didn't say it first. So it was, you know, I really think of those people more than anything else. Yeah. The ones who just said, you know, yeah. I was just curious if people had responded to you, like including people who hadn't come forward. But yeah, so, like of- other journalists have said some nice things about me. Um, Sarap Amari said something very nice today on Twitter, but like the uh, the nicest comment was to the young from that young guy who said, yeah. "If you didn't do this first, I probably would never have the courage to do it." And are they so, going to do get see any legal action? Do you think, or are they too afraid? Well, the FBI of- is investigating, right. and their donation page is down. Uh, you know, I'm sure now that the spotlight is on them, the spotlight will also move to their money and how they spent it. And this is not like um, the Weinstein production, which is um, um, like where it's a private co- corporation. This is a company that had to deal with this is the thing project to deal with the FEC every single step of the way. Federal Election Commission. So if there was anything wrong with anything they did, they will definitely be looked at with a microscope now. Wow. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Katie, for inviting me. I'm so glad. I haven't seen you since the green room, so it's great to see you. Yeah, you too. Yeah. This is is gross that it didn't become a bigger story um, and that more people... I mean, MSNBC hasn't said anything about it. It would be awesome, right? MSNBC, wait, I'll say one thing, and this is what I really want to know. And if any of your... If any of my DMs are open, if anyone wants to send me a helpful hint. So a certain MSNBC host who used to work for the John McCain campaign, which also John Weaver worked for John McCain. John Weaver was his chief political strategist, I believe. And Megan McCain said, you know, we hated you, whatever, which is fine. But um, John Weaver and I, I and Steve Schmidt both worked for the McCain campaign. What's her face from MSN- MSNBC? She has the she was on the View and now she's on MSNBC, and her name is literally slipping my mind as I'm Wait, trying Nicole, to Nicole Wallace. Nicole Wallace, Wallace yeah. yeah. Nicole Wallace had Lincoln Project people on her show many times after my article came out on January the 11th until the New York Times story came out. She never questioned them once. I would love to know, having a professional work relationship with John Weaver at several times during your career, did you know anything? And if you did know anything, then why didn't you say anything? And if you didn't know anything, then still, wouldn't you ask about that when you had them? The CNN and MSNBC had the Lincoln Project people on 21 times from January 11th to January 31st between my article and the New York Times article, never asked them once. And I would love to ask Nicole Wallace more than anything else in the world, what did you know? And um, why didn't you sit there and say anything? Uh, more than any, uh, she's, I'm more curious of her than anybody else. Yeah. Well, if you're watching this, Nicole Wallace, <laughs> feel free to come on the show, talk to us, or just, you know, respond to this. Like, yeah. you, you should all be like, I, I, you know, give people the respect of pretending to care. <laughs> you know, like pay your That's pay your respects true. that way. Like, obviously yeah. you don't. Um, but yeah, well, and it's just so funny because it's like, these are the people who, who traffic in being the the decent people right like that's their that birthday. was their whole thing yeah. where we would stand for honesty and decency yeah. and transparency yeah. and we want people to have um we want people to have accountability and shared accountability and right now they want the least thing in the world they want is shared accountability yeah. absolutely more at least less than anything else in the entire world is shared accountability and i would like to know the daily beast is going to continue rick, 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 rick wilson's podcast right because yeah. what well to be okay the, the most charitable read of, of him right would be he worked for a place and didn't know here let's can we play this quickly i want you to i would want your um your expertise sure. on this let's watch what rick uh weaver actually said rick uh wilson. rick wilson sorry rick yeah. wilson 
And it's not an easy story to tell. Oh, shut the fuck up. Okay, can you hear that? Over the weekend on Sunday, the New York Times published a story about John Weave, one of the seven co-founders of the Lincoln Project. That story was about contacts with John that began in 2014 while he was working for John Kasich with a young man, a young man of 14 years. This was the first time we'd heard this story. First time we'd had any information about John contacting a child. And I have to tell you, shocked us, disgusted us. It left us in a state of absolute just dread over the fact that that a child could have been victimized by John Weaver. He kept up that relationship for five years, apparently, until the child was an adult. Doesn't excuse it, doesn't make it better, makes it worse. John was using his power and position and prestige to try to manipulate young gay men. It wasn't that John was gay. I don't care about that. It was that John was trying to, to, to manipulate people using the positions he had in presidential campaigns and then in the Lincoln Project unacceptable in every dimension. Every one of us rejects it utterly. When the stories that had hit a few weeks ago, uh, when John confessed to these inappropriate and unprofessional contacts and attempting to, to trade you know, his favor for favors, we were just, it was, it was over right then. You know, no matter what he had denied prior to this at any point, it didn't matter. He confessed it. It was done. We terminated our relationship immediately. We were blunt about it. It was done. But this story was something that. Wait, could you pause it one second? I wish we'd had. He's saying saying right now we terminated our. We're saying we terminated our relationship immediately. And in a previous interview, he said that he had not worked there since his heart attack in August. So once again, not telling the truth on both things and being caught up in it. Um, that's first of all. And secondly, the New York Times story was once again three weeks beforehand. If you listen to him, he's talking constantly about the 14 year old, not about any of the people who were over the age of 18, but who we preyed upon as well. So go ahead, keep lying. Immediately. We were blunt about it. It was done. But this story was something that it, I wish we'd had some knowledge of it. I wish we'd known somehow, some way. Wait, pause it one more time. That sure, of vortex of secrets. He's saying right now, I wish we knew about it prior to that. And just three seconds ago, he said, it didn't matter what he denied to us previously. So, okay, hold on, let's see. So you're saying that they knew, you're saying that, hold on. He's saying right now, he said, I w- he said right there, he said, I wish we knew something before this. And then right before this says, it doesn't matter what John denied previously. Those okay, are two right. things he said in this one video. Right. Once again, okay. go ahead. That story was about, you can go back to the contacts with John that began in 2014 while he was working for John Kasich with a young man, a young man of 14 years. Yeah, you re- you this is the first time we'd heard this story. First time we'd had any information about John contacting a child. And I have to tell you, shocked us, disgusted us. It left us in a state of absolute just dread over the fact that, that a child could have been victimized by John Weaver. He kept up that relationship for five years, apparently, 
Once again, he said the first time of hearing it with a child. An excuse not the first time he's heard of it, first time he's heard of a child. It's very right. careful. John was using his power and position and prestige yeah. to try to manipulate young gay men. It wasn't that John was gay. I don't care about that. It's so it was that John was brave, trying yeah. to, to, to manipulate people using the positions he had in presidential campaigns and then the Lincoln Project. It's unacceptable in every dimension. Every one of us rejects it utterly. When the stories that had hit a few weeks ago, uh, when John confessed to these inappropriate and unprofessional contacts and attempting to, to trade you know, his favor for favors, we were just, it was, it was over right then. You know, no matter what he had denied prior to this at any point, yes. it didn't That's matter. He confessed it. It was He denied prior to that. That's the point. He's saying it doesn't matter what John Weaver denied prior to when this story came out. So what did he deny prior? Clearly, Rick Wilson says, I don't care that he's gay. Right. So that's not what the denial would be because he doesn't care. The denial is over some kind of contact he's making. So right. when Rick Wilson says, I knew nothing about it, he's clearly stating there's something that there was something because he had to deny. John Weaver had to deny something for him to know something. Right. For him to know something for someone to, John to deny something. What did he know? And him saying, I was at the clear blue sky. I genuinely believe that John, that Rick Wilson did not know about the 14-year-olds. Because right. I, of the months of work I did, I could not find anyone who was a minor in, in the first like, six months. Right. So I do believe, but he's saying it's the first time I heard him talk about a child. Right. He constantly, constantly references back to the 14-year-old as his plausible deniability. Which I right. do believe he doesn't know about that fourteen-year-old, but did he know about any of the adults? And that's right. the question. Right. Yeah. Maybe Sorry. the twenty-year-olds. Yeah. No, it's... I just DM'd you something too, by the way, in case you okay, want to. Right All right. I'm gonna cover both. Uh, I'm gonna go to this thing. Okay. Hit a few weeks ago, uh, when John confessed to these inappropriate and unprofessional contacts, and attempting to to trade, you know, his favor for favors we were just, it was, it was over right then, you know, no matter what he had denied prior to this at any point, it didn't matter. He confessed it. It was done. We terminated our relationship immediately. We were blunt about it. It was done. But this story was something that it, I wish we'd had some knowledge of it. Right. I wish we'd known somehow, some way, I wish we could have peered into that vortex of secrets that defined his life and known he was engaged in conduct with a 14-year-old boy at any point. I don't care if it was 10 years ago or five years ago or 25 years ago. The reaction would have not been, John, what do you do? It would be, John, stand by. We're calling law enforcement because it's, it's, it's an outrage. And I say this not as a co-founder of the Lincoln Project. Um, I say this as a dad. Right. And Stephen Reed and I are all fathers. You know, Steve and I have kids. Sorry, what did you say? Once all again, 14-year-old right. referencing right. back to the 14-year-old concept. Go ahead, yeah. It's an outrage. And I say this not as a, a co-founder of the Lincoln Project. Um, I say this as a dad. And Stephen Reed and I are all fathers. You know, Steve and I have kids. His, his, he's got a son who's 14. I've got a son who's 22. 
I mean, these kids are, are, they're so close to the age of the people John was, was, was prowling after. It's just insane. And it, it it's just, it's just, it, it's so, it makes me furious. And I got to say this, John's, John's behavior with these kids left a string of people who he victimized in, in varying degrees and capacities. And so many of them were intimidated into silence because he was a powerful man. And, you know, for four years now, my kids have been victimized. They've been stalked. They've been harassed. They've had rape threats and death threats because I opposed Donald Trump. And that's a burden they had to bear. And they've been great kids. And they're amazing kids. This is Twitter stuff. Not to, I mean. But the thought of this guy doing this to other people's kids, oh, it sickens me to the core and that's all funny. of us. And it sickens me even more that he was so profoundly dishonest for so long to so many people and was so good at hiding his true self. And I'm sure John's watching this now and he's angry and he feels like he's being called out and called something he, he disagrees with. Well, tough shit. Okay. He has earned this. He has earned every bit of this. We're an organization that believes in accountability. We're going to hold ourselves accountable for letting someone like this slip past the gates. and It'll never happen again. This mission is too important. The work we've done is too important. Millions of Americans have entrusted us to help lead a fight against an anti-American and anti-democratic movement. They trusted us to help lead a fight against Donald Trump and Trumpism. It's a fight that isn't over yet. We still have these people trying to regain power. And, and the attacks that are coming on us from Donald Trump Jr. and all these other people, they're gleeful. They love what Don, they love the gift that John Weaver gave them. They're delighted by it. They are are they're 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 dying for us to in some way defend John Weaver or to tell you we knew in some way. But I will what? never, ever be able to replicate the pain we felt learning this on Sunday when that article hit. It was it was intense. The pain we feel it just as guys in a political organization. We felt it as dads and fathers. Um, we felt it as, as, as you know one of the one of the people in our organization um, immediately got death threats against her two five year old kids. I mean, this what he's given them is a weapon in their hands, but we have a different weapon. We have truth, commitment, and a passion for this mission that we're on that we will not let John Weaver's behavior alter. We will not let what he did change our intention and our commitment to the millions of people who've supported us. This mission goes on. We will be in it every day. We will never stop fighting for this country. We love and appreciate so many people who have come to our side, who've, who've walked with us, who fought for us, who've donated us, who've helped us, who've carried our message and our mission forward. It is too important. It is vital that we move this, this country forward, away from Trumpism, they only need to win one more election <laughs> ever, and it's all gone. So we're going to keep this fight up. We want to say to the victims of John Weaver, the people that he exploited, the people that he attempted to manipulate, um, if you want to come to us and speak out, speak to us. 
If you want to speak out in public, speak out in public. If you want to talk to the news media, talk to the news media. We encourage you to do so. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Stop we right there. Stop right there. Sure, yeah. One okay. second. He says, I want, if you want to talk to the news media, talk to the news media. Six members of Lincoln Project. This is, by the way, after he just, this is before he doxes his coworker, not him, but his organization leaks uh, hacked messages on Twitter. Um, six members of the Lincoln Project write an anonymous letter saying, we would like to get out of our NDAs so that way we could speak to the media about what we knew about John Weaver. And um, at least one publicly was denied. So, yeah, but that's that, Ryan. They're committed. They're committed. To they are truth so and committed to saving the republic. They <laughs> promised people that they would save it. They promised it, and you know, people said terrible things about his kids on Twitter. Totally it's, random people who don't make people job offers or build their careers. Um, said terrible things on Twitter to his kids. So he yes, gets it. it is. Um, it is. Um. And it's it's once again, like with Rick Wilson, like with Steve Schmidt's uh, thing, it's about them and really how they have been right. victimized by John Weaver. Yeah. John Weaver, how they were made to feel about John Weaver. Yeah, it's, but to, it, to be fair, I mean, Steve Schmidt didn't have to. Luckily, he wasn't asked about this, right? By uh, No, not by Bill Maher. By Bill Maher. Not by Bill Maher. And I don't think by publicly by anybody. So disgusting. I just, yeah, but it's, uh, once again, John Weaver made him feel bad, made made Rick, right. Rick, made Rick Wilson cry. John Weaver made uh, Steve Schmidt feel like that 13-year-old boy who was assaulted, once again, oh, by yeah. Gay Ray. Once again, if that happened, I Where feel Where is ter- that, by the way? That's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a public Twitter account. I'm, I, I tweeted at one point that I said I wanted to scream from the top of my lungs. Um, but that wasn't a video. That was just written. That was a 10-page um, resignation letter where the first four pages are about gay Ray and oh being God. a 13 year old boy being touched. Once again, horrible. Shouldn't right. happen. I feel terrible for him, but that has nothing to do with the Literally situation. Literally nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So, and like, we so all obvious. have life experiences. I've gone on, like, we've all had bad, bad life experiences. We could all sit there and talk about to deflect from our shortcomings as adults. None of it matters, though. So, what does, like, it's just, it's so clear PR nonsense to keep so supporters gross. donating. Yeah. But listen, if Cuomo could win an Emmy for his COVID response. I mean, I mean no, he deserves it, so. it, though. He did a great job. Everyone <laughs> believed that he was not a sociopath. Not everyone, but people believed, you know, I right. can't I almost think that was like I mean, that is just the, the grossest weaponization. Um, I was I was abused by by people. And so I feel terrible. Yeah. you're. I mean, it's like, why don't we start a foundation for the healing of Rick Wilson, his, his <laughs> children, and and what's his name? Uh, but he, yeah, and he's, Sushman. I mean, listen, I feel terrible that his kids allegedly got Twitter DMs that were, uh, you know, yeah. threatening to them. That's bad. No one should do that. Not saying they should. Um, you are also a public figure, and you yeah. put your children at the burden of being a public figure. I am, I'm, I'm not Rick Wilson well-known at all, but I certainly go out in public and I do media appearances. I right. know there's a certain responsibility that comes with that. And I hear from it constantly. Trust me, right. I do from my own family and friends, but I make that personal choice. Right. There's zero accountability for him. It's And, he, and there's conflicting things constantly within his own video that makes right. it so obvious that his, that his apology is um, worthy of questioning. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, Do you want to play the rest of it? Yeah. 
the people that he exploited, the people that he attempted to manipulate. Um, if you want to come to us and speak out, speak to us. If you want to speak out in public, speak out in public. If you want to talk to the news media, talk to the news media. We encourage you to do so. We hope you'll do so. We'll be here for you and with you. We will keep this um, th- this matter. If you want to keep it quiet and just want to yell at me or yell at Steve or yell at Reed or yell at Stuart or yell at any of us and say, how did you not know? I'll talk to you till the phone's dead. Okay. We'll keep it quiet if you want it quiet. We'll put it out if you want it put out. We believe in transparency. We believe in honesty. We believe in directness. We're going to give you that at every turn. I hope that you will continue to repose the confidence you've shown in us for the last year. We will earn it from you every day. Earn it. We'll keep this mission going. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Look at what it says on the right. It says, uh, Rick Wilson addresses, oh, and then advertises his his show? Yeah. The Breakdown, Tuesday and Thursday, 9 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, six PM Pacific Time, yes. and and so he's give. That's good. That's good. It has um. He's branding his his apology. <laughs> and uh, that's what Steve Schmidt did too. Steve Schmidt. Yeah. Said, if you want to catch me now, you catch me on Bill Maher tonight. Like. Oh my God. What? And, and then we also have. Look at this. We also have. Look, Rick Wilson addresses John Weaver's deception for the first time on camera on the breakdown. So it's not that like he's an. It's like the deception. Right. That's the thing. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not the praying. It's not. It never mentions the adults ever in the video. Um, It's the 14 year old boy, which is because that's the criminal aspect of it. Um, And he kind of references my article subtly in the video. He says when these things came out weeks ago, he releases this video, I think, either the day of the New York Times or the day after. So he's referencing the article of mine that he clearly read. Right. This so, was on February 2nd. So, and the article came out January 31st. So okay. the New York Times one. So it's two days afterwards. So obviously the New York Times article didn't come out weeks before. It came out just 48 hours before. And you're mentioning articles that came out weeks ago. So you read my article and you clearly didn't think that John Weaver was sexually harassing adult young men and using his power for jobs was important then. You only thought it was important when the New York Times got involved. Right. So... Once again, like, and I'm thankful, by the way, that the New York Times got involved. I'm not, I'm not putting them in the New York Times for this. I'm saying, though, that um, they are clearly um, using this to, uh, to kind of, I mean, it's, it only became important enough to talk about once the New York Times was getting involved. Right. Yeah. Should we look at the, um, the uh, Lincoln Project letter? Oh, uh, letter? Sorry, the Steve Schmidt one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to find where it is, though. I, oh, he put po- it's his tweet. It's his pinned tweet. My truth. Yes, not the truth. It's his truth. Yeah, but that's like the poet. That's what they, the, you know, that's yes. the, you know, yeah. um, my truth. Should I read this? Or I'm going to get canceled for reading this, but I just think it's such a, a disgusting distraction. Um, I'll, I'll, I won't do anything funny about it. I'll just be like, this is what he decided to tweet. Okay, to write about. It was just a touch, a light one, and it lasted only a moment. I was a 13-year-old boy at the Rock Hill Boy Scout camp. His name was Ray, and he was the camp medic. That is really, I mean, extra disgusting, by the way. The older scouts called him Gay Ray and taunted and teased us us about our inevitable encounter with him when the 
itch of the mosquito became too much to bear. It happened almost precisely like the older kid said it would. Covered in bites, I went to the medical cabin. He told me to take my clothes off. I complied. He looked at my body and examined the bites just like they said he would. He began applying an ointment just like they said he would. I remember being paralyzed at it. as his hands moved up my body and brushed over my penis. I remember all of this with perfect clarity up to the moment I was touched. The next part is fuzzier. I just know that I left. Then I came back to camp and I must have had a look on my face because I remember the laughing. The look on my face must have looked familiar to the other boys because it was the same one they must have had when they returned from Ray's exam. Camp continued and I made sure never to return to the medical cabin. Um, When I got home, I told my parents, the adults huddled and the collective decision they made was to deal with it internally. He wasn't turned into the police because the consensus of the adults was that dealing with law enforcement would be traumatic for all the boys involved. In the end, we were told that Ray wouldn't return. I don't know what happened to him. And even when the day came that I had the power, money and ability to find out and do something to him or about him, I chose not to. Um, Something else happened in that cabin that day. The extroverted little boy who walked in died. An introverted boy with deep trust issues walked out. Before that day, I had no memory of ever feeling anger. After that day, and despite the passage of so many years, the anger has never left. It's always there below the surface. It has risen up many times over the years. Later on in life, that anger would immolate my faith in the Catholic Church. My faith had been diminished to a flicker of flame by the time I served in the White House. I remember feeling like something that had anchored me was stolen. I felt lost in a strange way, though at the time I would never have described myself as particularly religious. I reached out to see if I could get an audience with the man who had presided over my confirmation at St. Luke's Church in North Plainfield, New Jersey. By this point, he was a Monsignor and the acting auxiliary bishop of the Matuchin Diocese. When I met with him in Washington, he was his eminence, Theodore Cardinal McCarrick, Learning that the man I trusted to share my soul and the deepest memories of my violation was amongst the most prolific of the Catholic Church's sex criminals permanently shattered my faith and left me estranged from God. It has taken nearly 16 years since that betrayal to find faith again, which I have during the process of my conversion to Judaism. What? (laughs) I didn't know that. I had no idea I converted to Judaism. Welcome, I didn't know that I either. So I read this little letter. A touch on the table at age 13 that lasted seconds had been a defining event in my life. It never went away. That moment bequeathed me the three companions of my life that are always close and right. often present. Anger, shame, and depression. Okay, so he's basically... I, I don't really appreciate that as a Jew, by the way, but that's another story. <laughs> um, then he talks about the depression. Okay, then... Uh, then he talks about John Weaver. Okay, so um, where do we start with that? Okay, so he dep- deals with depression. I met a man for the first time in my life in late 2006. His name was John Weaver. I met him at a fundraiser for Arnold Schwarzenegger, where John McCain was the headliner at the end of the 2006 campaign. I arrived at that event with Arnold, and I left with McCain. Within months, under Weaver's leadership, the campaign had collapsed and was bankrupt. During all the time I worked for John McCain, I never heard a single person whisper that John Weaver was a predator. I did not have a professional relationship with John Weaver until, uh, again, until December 2019. I've said on the record that I learned about John Weaver's misconduct with an underage boy this past January. I know this is true, and I've certainly... And I have certainty that the Lincoln Project independent investigation into John Weaver's conduct will validate this. My purpose in writing this isn't to express what and when I knew what and when what and when I knew about John Weaver, but how I feel about him, what he did and how many people he hurt. 
This is my truth. John Weaver has put me back into that faraway cabin with Ray. Oh, my God. Yeah. I am incandescently angry about it. I am angry because I know the damage that he caused to me. And I know the journey that lies ahead for every young man that trusted, feared, and was abused by John Weaver. Shouldn't that be before? Like, more important than the damage, like the anger? Yeah, you would think think that the apology towards the young man would come before his experience from 40 years ago or whatever it was. And and he's angry because the damage that he caused to him. Yeah, it's how he felt. It's it's all about them. It's all about the anger and the diminution of them, not about anybody else. I mean, and that's what they have to constantly. That's how they um, kind of, you know, equate all of this is because what how they are feeling. Right. I, I know the shame, the guilt, the doubt, the depression and anger that lies ahead. I know John Weaver will be a lifelong companion for them in the way that Ray has been for me. I detest John Weaver in a way I can't articulate. My heart breaks that young men felt unseen and unheard. It's too bad they didn't see Jill Biden scrunchy. And unheard in an organization that I started. I'm ashamed of it. I promise that we will release the full findings of what we discover through an independent investigation. There's another truth about John Weaver of which I must speak. Like all predators, he is a skilled liar. And like all predators, he left clues. I had the surreal experience in the last month of being grilled by a national newspaper about my knowledge of John Weaver's misconduct. When I got off that call, I talked to another reporter from the same newspaper who said the newspaper has known for years. Since John Weaver's misconduct was made public, I learned about another national reporter that was going to write about Weaver, but then was ultimately dissuaded to do so by Weaver because he had told the reporter that his cancer had returned and he had just six months to live. That's why I told you about yeah, his, his heart, heart attack. attack. Yeah. He, does this, he does this all the time. Yeah. I, I was asked by a reporter if I thought the heart attack he told us about was real. The truth is, I don't know. I responded yeah. by saying that I don't know if he lives in Texas. I just don't know that he's, I just don't, I just know, sorry. I don't know if he lives in Texas. I just know that he's a liar and a predator and I wish our paths never crossed. Unfortunately, they did. I wish John Weaver was not a co-founder of the Lincoln Project, but as hard as I wish for that to be, I can't change that he was. I'm enormously proud of the Lincoln Project. Why is this? Why? Why are you talking about this? This um, is it's got literally nothing to do about anything. Wait, it's going to go okay, into now. Worse, right? It's going to go now into him, his culpability, not about John Weaver, but about uh, the only female and co- female co-founder right. who was so. Yeah. Okay. I'm enormously proud of the Lincoln Project and what we have accomplished to date. I believe we built the most successful and politically lethal, <laughs> lethal, yeah, to, to the Republican Party, not to Trump, um, lethal super PAC in history. We built a movement with millions of people and we played a decisive role in Donald Trump's defeat. During these last weeks, I've been consumed by anger and rage. As I've been as I've seen the attacks from the rancid collection of liars, thugs and fascists, including Donald Trump Jr. and Laura Ingram attacked the Lincoln Project, my character and the character of my friends over John Weaver's amoral predations. It's kind of a weird understatement. Amoral predations. I'm in a tough like their moral predations. Right. I'm in a tough business and I know what I signed up for. I'm long past the moments of fear that gripped me when FBI agents showed up at my house to tell me I was on the hit list of the Trump bomber. The truth is that these attacks awakened all of my old companions at once, shame, anger, and depression. For those around me, it is the anger that has been most visible. For those who love me, it has been the depression. 
Either way, it has not brought out my best self. I'm not the daily manager. This is a diary entry that we are forced to read. This is Dear Diary, today Jimmy kicked me at the, at the playground and now we are all forced to read to it as part of a public apology. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, either way, it has not brought out my best self. I'm not the daily manager of the Lincoln Project, but I am the senior leader. As the senior leader, it is my responsibility to set an example and to assume accountability. I would like to apologize to Jennifer Horn. I let my anger turn from a business dispute into a public war that has distracted from the fight against American fascism. I love hearing these people talk about fascism. Um, Jennifer was an important and valuable member of our team. Truth be told, I didn't interact with Jennifer very often, but I always enjoyed the occasions when we did. She deserved better from me. She deserved a leader who could restrain his anger. I'm sorry for my failure. Yesterday, I was shown the correspondence between Jennifer Horn and Amanda Becker, a reporter at the 19th News. I was told it came from an anonymous source. That direct message should never have been made public. It is my job as the senior leader to accept responsibility for the tremendous misjudgment to release it. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. Go so on. can you uh, I apologize on behalf of the organization to both Jennifer Horn and Amanda Becker. I woke up this morning and realized I have been fighting for a long time. It's taken a toll and I'm tired. So can you remind us what the thing was between Becker and he uh, Becker reached out to Amanda Horn and said, sorry, Amanda Becker reached out to Jennifer Horn and said to Jennifer Horn, um, can you speak about the Lincoln Project and you're leaving and whatever? And they're having a correspondence. Jennifer Horn does not tell her a lot in those correspondence, but basically Jennifer Horn's because Jennifer Horn has an NDA like everyone else in Lincoln Project does. And so she's talking about she says in the conversation, like, I have to speak to my lawyers about this. Uh, I'm very upset with their response, though, to saying I wanted money. Um, It's there's not like a big like mic drop in in the in, in the conversation. But allegedly, allegedly, according to people I've spoken to, allegedly, um, they were looking for leakers through almost everybody at the Lincoln Project. So this is like the first one maybe they found. I don't know about that, but this is the first one that they are they revealed publicly. And, and Steve Schmidt clearly knew that this tweet was going out. He's talking about it right now. So, so, the, so, the, so the tweet that the tweet the Lincoln Project had was earlier this evening, we became aware that Amanda Becker of 19th News was preparing to publish a smear job on the Lincoln Project with the help of Jennifer, uh, Jennifer um, at New Hampshire, Jennifer. Um, you hear a lot of talk about hit job journalism, but rarely do you get to see the origin of the story. Enjoy. And then he tweeted screenshot by screenshot every single thing that Amanda and and um, Jennifer Horn were talking about. Um, a Twitter account late on Thursday published and then qu- quickly deleted private conversations between journalist Amanda Becker and Jennifer Horn, a Lincoln Project co-founder who left following the accusations against Weaver. Horn said the messages were published without her permission. And in 19, the nonprofit newsroom reporting on gender politics and policy vowed to continue its reporting on the group. Uh, we're not going to be bullied or intimidated out of pursuing critical journalism. It's from Jennifer's account. So right. and clearly, she, yeah. yes. And then she writes, hey, Twitter, Jack, Twitter support. I did not give consent. So that's yes. what she tweeted. I got it. So they doxed her, right? Like you were saying earlier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, that's right. Yasha Ali says, I've asked Twitter if the Lincoln Project tweeting out the D- private DMs of an outside party is a violation of their terms. Neither party in the screenshots appears to have given consent. Uh, there are other questions about if there was a violation of federal law. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The question, because Twitter said, no, this is not a violation ha- tweeting leaked DMs, which is absurd. 
Um, right. But, it, 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 but it apparently is, according to George Conway, it is a federal crime. Right. And because he left them, so he doesn't like them, right? He, well, yeah, I think he like likes them, but he left them because of his daughter and, you know, her going on um, TikTok and, you know, talking about right. their family. And that's why right. I think he left, allegedly. Yeah. Oh, they're so gross. Yeah, I'm looking. They publish these things. It's, well, he wrote, this looks on its face to be a violation of federal law and should be taken down immediately. So he criticized the Lincoln Project for... Tweeting that. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Disgusting people. Um, yeah. And what... They didn't even reveal anything in it. Anyway, no, okay. there's nothing super revealing. It's just the fact that she was corresponding with her for the article. Yeah. And the fact that they just published it. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, so he apologizes. I apologize um, to the organization of both Jennifer Horn and Amanda Becker. I woke up this morning and realized I've been fighting for a long time. It's taken a toll. I'm tired. Again, the victim. Presently, the Lincoln Project board is made up of four middle-aged white men. Oh, God. Get ready for the wokeitude, okay? <laughs> that composition doesn't reflect our nation, nor our movement. I'm resigning my seat on the Lincoln Project board to make room for the appointment of a female board member as the first step to reform and professionalize the Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project was built to fight. It is my deepest hope that despite the recent internal events that have distracted from our cause, you will entrust in us to continue to fight for what the entire Lincoln Project movement believes in, combating the rise of fascism and authoritarianism in this country. We are one election away from seeing the end of democracy. We are one election away from seeing the end of American democracy. By the way, they said that last time. Yeah. This fight will go on for the rest of my life. For me, it's time to step back from the front to get healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. I look forward to being on Real Time with Bill Maher tonight on HBO <laughs> and then to taking some much-needed time off. Stay strong. There's much work to be done, Steve. So wait, I just want to make sure. Okay, so I'm, so so, I'm even angrier head. than I was before. So this yeah. guy right tweets this before... Going on Mar. Yeah. And Mar doesn't even ask think him. that it's a relevant thing to ask him about? Guess not. That is so, I'm sorry, that's so fucking upsetting. Yeah. Anyway, that was, so that's the whole Lincoln Project thing. That's really all I have to add to it. And um, yeah. thank you for having me on. Yeah, of I really course. Yeah. Yeah. My dog has to go out now. So yeah, yeah, it's so cute. Let us see him again once more. Yeah. This is Royal Tenenbaum. Oh here. my God. I, and a cockapoo? He's a multi-poo. Multi-poo. Look at yeah. him. I think he and Bodie could be a, be very happy together. He loves small dogs. Big dogs, he gets a little bit weird about. But she's he's, small. She's okay, like, then he loves it. big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh cool. All right. Thank All right. you so much, Ryan. Thank you so much. Yeah. Speak Bye. to you. Tell us. Oh, come back after your next story. Absolutely. Well, totally. Great. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Gerdusky, R-Y-A-N-G-I-R-D-U-S-K-Y. Katie Help Show is edited by Ted Reedy and Brad Bloom. Research is done by Joshua Bregman. And our theme song is by the band Cordova. Please rate and review us on iTunes. And please support the show on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. <laughs>